Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski, and we have, again, our first two-time champion of 30 MPC, Morgan Ingram of Jay Barrows Consulting. Why should people listen again? Well, Morgan takes us through systems, process, LinkedIn sales nav, outreach, sales loft, and how to use technology to sell more. You got to listen. Three, two, one, technology. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there, in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Did you know that 60% of proposals are viewed on a mobile device, which means if you're sending a tech stock or a slide deck, the formatting is going to look really ugly and you're going to make a bad impression. Luckily, our friends at Quiller are here to help. Quiller pages are built on the web, which means they're mobile responsive and they actually look good on a cell phone. And Quiller is having an offer right now to upgrade your proposal from an ugly tech stock to a Quiller page for free. So you can see what your boring proposal looks like as a beautiful Quiller page. There is a link in the show notes to take advantage of the offer. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. All right, Morgan, welcome to the show. You know, we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. All right. So number one is when you're on LinkedIn and you're looking to prospect someone, go to their profile and click the see all button. If you're a first or second degree connected to them and it allows you to not only see what they've been posting, but what they've been liking and commenting on. And you can use that in your outreach. Cool. What's number two? All right, so number two is we're gonna to go to LinkedIn Sales Navigator here. And this one, this one is critical. Like if you do this, you're gonna be way ahead of the game. Is go inside of your LinkedIn sales navigator list. And if you're an SDR, create a list of all the meetings you scheduled throughout your career. And if you're an AE, make a list of all the meetings that you scheduled and also all the meetings that you've closed as well. And so now you have a pipeline of people you can reach out to in the future and ask for referrals. Nice. Round us out. What's the last one, Morgan? All right, so last one, I know a lot of people out here are using a sales offer on outreach. If you're using something outside of that, 
I can't really help you there, but this should be in there, which is you want to star your contacts. And if you go inside of sales offer or again, outreach or get another system, normally they have a star button, star that contact. And what you're doing there is you want to use that for direct dials so that you're not just going through phone trees so that you can be way more actionable and tactical in your calls. So I see a lot of people talk about like creating these lists in sales nav and some people do a great job of creating lists, but then they have this massive feed of just nonsense that comes their way. So do you have any way of time blocking or programmatically saying, hey, once a week, I'm going to go after everybody that I've ever sold to and ask for referrals? Like, how do you actually do that? Yeah. So when you're going about and creating the list, I would say at the end of every month, create a dedicated time to go do that. So maybe it's an hour on a Friday, right? Most people aren't doing that much on a Friday. So this is a perfect time to get this done and go in to be like, all right, let me go look at the CRM. Who did I close this month? Who did I schedule this month? Maybe what did my SDR, if you're an AE, schedule this month, right? So you could start building this list. Throughout the week, what you want to do is once a week, 30-minute time slot to look through your list to then decide. Normally, you want to do this on a Monday. I normally have them as admin days to then make a decision to be like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and prospect these people. I'm going to ask for referrals. And this should be a simple setup because you should have formulas already set up for like your referrals and things of that nature. So that's how you set it up to make sure that you're successful in building this list. And so how do you do a little bit of give get with your referrals? Let's say I've time blocked it. I've identified some people I want to go after. Are you just like blasting people saying like, hey, you got any business? You got any business? Like, how do you do that artfully and tactfully? So what I'm doing is I'm going to the contact on LinkedIn and in LinkedIn sales navigator, as long as their connections aren't closed, you should be able to see all the people they're connected to. So what you're going to do is inside of that search is you're going to type in the job titles that you'd be looking to go for. So for me, I'm looking for an enablement person, a CRO, a VP of sales, a sales development leader. And then I'm just going to pick two or three people. That's it. And I'm going to do a simple reach out like this. Hope all is well and that your team is still going strong based on the last training that we did. Quick ask for you. Do you know X, Y, and Z? And then I have those hyperlinked to their LinkedIn so they can easily check it. The ask here, though, is important. If not, do you know anyone else like-minded like yourself that I should be connected with? Cheers. That's it. And so what I'm doing there is I'm saying like-minded like you. Maybe they don't know those three people, but they're like, you know what? Sally, you want to talk to her because she's looking to build our team and she needs training right now. So I'm getting a response regardless, and I'm setting myself up for success. And that isn't super pushy. I've done the work on my end, and I also I could connect with someone like-minded, and maybe they don't want sales training, but maybe it's someone I could connect with that could get me another referral down the line. So I'm always building that network there. I got a question for you about in-mails on LinkedIn because I've got LinkedIn sales nav and I've got this allocation of in-mail that I can send every single month. And I end up not really using them because I don't want to go straight to the pitch. And so I'm curious, how are you using your in-mails? Or are you just treating it like email and blasting stuff out there? My main suggestion is send people case studies that are in their industry. Hey, we recently had a case study that came out that's been helping people increase their pipeline velocity by 30% in the baking industry. And I wanted to send it to you. Would you be open to checking that out? Yeah, Morgan, I will. And the thing is, when you send an email and someone responds, you get the credits back. So the thing is, is that all I want to do is get a response because once the DM's open, the DM's open, right? So then I can send whatever. The thing though, is that I'm locked until they respond. So 
no, I'm not going to do a normal email format here because we've A-B tested it and we've saw that the email was higher. So do your normal email flow. The in-mail, the focus should be here is I want to give them something. They respond. I get my credit back. Now I can have my normal messaging and do what I need to do from there to get the meeting. So I've seen some people do the in-mail first. Some people do a connection request first. Some people personalize the connection request. Other people leave it blank. Do you have a perspective on how you mix in both connections and in-mails? So this is going to shock a lot of people is that the blank note has a higher acceptance rate than the personalized note. Now I'm going to get to the in-mail, but this is an important point before we get there. You can withdraw your connection requests. A lot of people don't know that you could withdraw these. So just because you sit this one out doesn't mean that the game's over. You still have an opportunity here. So how do you do that? So you go to your LinkedIn, you go to the My Network, the two little people there. Then you click see all. And then when you click see all, you can click sent. And then inside of sent, you can withdraw all these connection requests. Now, LinkedIn says that you have to wait three weeks to reconnect. We found that that to be false <laughs> completely. So I think there's a bug in, there's a bug in the system. So I'm just gonna let y'all know right now. I, I've been able to finesse it a little bit. And so normally we'll send it probably like a couple of days later and we'll send like a personalized note to, because they didn't accept the blank note. So you can really maximize your connection request because here's the thing, you wanna get the connection request because you guys heard me talk about it on the first time it was on here, which was the LinkedIn video. You want to have that because that's going to be a high response rate. Then if the connection request doesn't work, I will send an in-mail later in my campaign to see if I can get that open, right, or that response essentially and get my credits back. I love this, man. So we've talked about the connections. We've talked about you going out. What about people coming in? Didn't you have some funny tactics around like when people look at your profile, you do something, you send them like some funky message every time? (laughs) <laughs> yes. So, well, and it, it depends on how many views you're getting, but this is a, a unique tactic you can do. So if they're first degree connected or even second degree connected, I actually, actually did it this morning. I got a couple of people to reply to it. So I message them and I go to the GIF or the GIF or whatever you want to call it. And I type in lurk and there's a deer or a llama. Actually, we haven't determined what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's a llama. And it's like, you know what you were talking about? And it comes like out of the rock and it goes back in. So I, cl- I clicked that one. And then like, let's say if Armand viewed my profile, I'd be like, hi, Armand. I saw you view my profile. Quick question. Did I do something wrong? And people just crack up. They're like, no, you didn't do anything wrong at all. And that leads it sometimes into meetings. They're like, yeah, I was actually looking to talk to you about training or I actually saw your email or whatever. So it, get, it gets a good laugh and it's just it's just super cool to do. You could obviously do another GIF or GIF if you want to. You could also do a voice message on that too. But I found that's my llama. That's my go-to right there. I love it because your ask is like kind of so far out there where it's like, hey, did I do something really wrong? Of course you didn't. They looked at your profile and it's actually causing them to to respond. It's kind of like, it's almost similar to the humbling disclaimer that we talk about where if you're suggesting you're something is like, would this be the absolute worst idea in the history of earth? Of course not. Of course they didn't do anything wrong. All right. So we spent a lot of time on, on, on LinkedIn here. I know you have some really interesting things you do with sales loft outreach and some of these sales engagement tools. So what gold do you have for me here, Morgan? Yeah. So what I tell people is that really dive into your templates and your snippets. I think a lot of times people don't leverage these as much. So I encourage everyone 
when you listen to this podcast episode to spend half a day to create all the templates of all the personas and the industries that you're going after. Could be a lot for some of you, could not be a lot for some of you, but just think about that, right? Then come up with templates for certain trigger points. And so what I mean by that is when I see on a website that someone's hiring SDRs, I already have a template for that. I have a template if someone has a merger and acquisition. I have a template if they're looking to hire AEs. I'm already prepared. And the thing is, this saves me time. So the more templates I have, the better. Snippets are for call to actions and value props. So when you're looking to personalize at scale or whatever you're calling it over there, right? What you want to focus on is having snippets of value props, snippets of call to actions. So now the only thing you have to focus on is the first three sentences of that email. So now it's just snippet. That's my value prop. Snippet. That's my call to action. You don't want to spend time typing out these things. They should already be inside of your sales engagement tool so that you're preparing yourself for very fast and effective messaging across the board. A lot of people screw this up. And just to clarify for the audience, if you don't have snippets or templates or any of that stuff, a template is a fully pre-written out email and a snippet is a couple of pre-written out sentences that you can insert into an existing message. And a lot of people, we tend to think so highly of ourselves and we tend to think like, man, like I've got to craft that email every single time or a robot could never write an email or you can never do personalization at scale. And you are completely wrong. In your brain, you have a massive if this, then that statement. If I see they raised a round, then this. If I see they've gone to the same college, then this. And I have the best reps who have 30 snippets that literally are just putting puzzle pieces together. And it sounds like that's what you're doing at scale. So one thing I want to add here, because I don't have a sales engagement tool like an outreach or sales loft. And so even if you don't have one of these, there's a tool, it's a free add-in in Outlook. It's called Quick Parts. And so what you can do is you can highlight text and actually turn it into a snippet. So if I type the word Armand into an Outlook message, it's like a text expander. I hit the word enter and it turns into my Armand template. And so on that point of templates, I think we're pretty big on the 80-20 rule here where like if you're going to do something just one time and it's a really custom thing, okay, maybe you don't turn that into a snippet. But if you're doing something repeatedly, you do. So how do you strike that balance? When do you, what, what triggers go off in your head where it's like, oh, this is something I'm going to reuse? Think about all the objections that you get in emails. Like not interested, reach out in six months, I don't have budget. Every single time you see that, you probably struggle with it, or you probably are like, ah, you know, I've seen this before. Maybe some of you out there already know what to do. And for those who already know what to do, they already have an answer. But the thing is, instead of typing it out every single time, why not put that in the ATEX? I remember as a team, we had an answer for every single objection, like every single thing on LinkedIn. We had a thing for every single connection request, and you could do that. And it's all just a system because once you've seen that it works, now we include it. So Nick, to answer that question, all my templates and snippets are based off of things that I see continuously in these accounts or challenges or priorities that keep coming out of the mouths of my clients. So I need to create a template for that because it keeps coming up. Why would I not do that? Have you gotten creative? Uh, we just had Jeremy Levier on and he talks about using GIFs and all of these other fun, like crazy images, videos of him playing the guitar wrong. Have, have you experimented with that or are you more of like a plain text guy? So when someone's not replying to something or I send a video and I don't get a reply, I use GIFs and GIFs on LinkedIn and in my emails and my emails to get reply backs. 
So I use that strategically across the board. I even use memes of like, put stuff like, <laughs> I'll like put my face on certain things. Like that's the way that I go about being creative because that's the way that I think in gifts, gifs, memes in terms of my follow-up. Because if I'm going to follow up, I at least want them to laugh about it. So if they laugh, that means that there's a chance that I can get a response here. I like that ATEX tool thing you're using. And it sounds like you're, you're pulling in all sorts of creative ways to be more efficient with your time. And so I'm curious, what other pieces of technology are you pulling into your day-to-day? Yeah, so this is a tool that most of you probably never heard of before. It's called Clockify. I love this tool. And here's why, because I track how long each task take. Most reps say, I don't have any time. I don't know what's going on with my day. Well, okay, well, track it and figure out what is actually happening. I know how long it takes me to make a video. I know how long it takes me to do an email. I know how long it takes me to reply to notifications on LinkedIn. I know how long it takes me to prep for a call. I know how long it takes me to send videos on my email for email objections. Like I know how long these things take me. So I get way more done in a day than most people because I know how long my tasks take. When you don't know how long your tasks take, you overthink it, paralysis analysis, and you don't get as much done as you think that you do. So Clockify is fantastic or any type of time management tool. You can use your phone, but I like just using it on the desktop because I can name the task. And then so I can be like LinkedIn notification, start, go after. Okay, that took me 45 minutes. So now I know it took me 45 minutes to go through 99 plus notifications, right? Or, okay, video, how long does it take me to make 20 videos? An hour? Okay, now I know if I block off an hour, I can get 20 videos done. If my conversion rate is... 10%, okay, I could get two replies and I know those replies normally lead to meetings. That's two meetings. So the thing is like, I'm getting so granular in how I do my tasks that I know what I need to get done every single day and no one can take that time away from me because I know what that time means to me. And so Clockify is how I manage those different tasks so I can be on top of everything I'm doing. So Morgan, actually on that point, one of the things I'm interested in is Armand and I are really big in the way that you structure your day and how that sets you up for success. And so I'm curious, sounds like you're being really methodical about where you spend your time. What's the structure of your day look like in terms of when you're stacking tasks, meetings, et cetera? So on Sunday, I look at the week and I'm like, all right, so I have these tasks I need to do. I have these tasks I need to do. What's important? What's the pipeline look like? And the easiest way to set this up to know what you need to get done is separate it into three colors green, yellow, and red. Green is my favorite one, is money making activities. All right, so this is this is the key one, all right? So I always tell people, if you don't have a lot of greens on your calendar, you're in trouble, period. <laughs> that means like you are not driving towards quota. You need to figure that out, right? So what are money making activities? That's discovery calls, cold calls, personalized emails that you're sending out, doing videos, things of that nature. Like these are tasks that lead to you hitting quota, right? And you make it money. Two, right? Yellow is prepping for money-making activities. So that's social listening, doing research, all the things that we had talked about, building list, right? That's a yellow. And then red is the break. So I take breaks between the greens and the yellows so I can get myself in a mood to do task switching. On a more granular level, I have, <laughs> you can do this if you want to, this is my insane part of the brain, but I have music playlists for each one of those tasks. 
So I have a music playlist for cold calling blitz. I have a music playlist before I do videos. I have a music playlist when I'm answering notifications and also doing emails. Like I have playlists for that because it helps me task switch and be way more productive as well. So I want to go back to this outreach and sales loft thing because there are a ton of super powerful tools that you can use within that tool. So we talked about reporting. Is there anything that you have from a reporting or insight standpoint that people underutilize inside of outreach or sales loft? So inside of sales loft, I know that they have Aller and I encourage people to use Aller in there because it's so great because if you schedule a meeting with X company, immediately, this is what you should do, is because inside of sales loft, there's Aller, you can see what the competitors are. So if that company is interested, probably their competitors are too. So I, mean, I would do that all the time. I'm like, cool, let me just rack up a new list of now these competitors I can reach out to. And you can continuously build off this competitor list. I schedule a good amount of meetings just by scheduling a meeting, looking at the competitors inside sales off, go creating a whole new list, getting touch on those accounts and now reaching out. This is a very simple flow that you can start doing right inside of there. I also know LinkedIn sales navigators inside of there too. So that's an easy way that you could send out connection requests as your first touch and not even have to go on LinkedIn, right? You're doing it all within the sales engagement tool. So those are two tools inside of, I know sales law that you can start leveraging to get some results. And so you talked about list building here and like using Aller to hop from one company to another, to another. One thing I see SDRs and AE struggle with a lot is you'll put 50 folks in a sequence and then you'll go and look at your account list of 300 accounts and half of them are in sequence and half of them aren't. And so you're, you, you start to get lost in your workflow where you're like, shoot, did I sequence that? Did I not sequence it? And people end up spending hours like combing through their account list, trying to figure out what they've worked and what they haven't. So do you have any recommendations from like a workflow standpoint to stay on top of your account book? Yeah. So there's two things that you could be doing here. One is when you get all of your accounts if you feel overwhelmed, put them, this is aggressive, but this will work. Put them all inside of your sequence as step one and just call it clean data. So instead of just putting them in one by one by one and being confused, dump them all into the sequence and just call it step one, like I just said, clean data. And then you can naturally put people through the sequence in day two, which would then be your email, your call or whatever. So day one essentially is a placeholder. We did this all the time because people were like, oh, I got a lot of accounts. I got a lot of stuff going on. Okay, cool. Just dump them all in there because now you know they're in there. And now you can then go throughout that process. And so that goes me to number two, which is create a spreadsheet of the accounts you want to go after per week. Now, especially if you're an enterprise AE or an enterprise SDR, this is mandatory. Like you should do this because- you only have a certain amount of accounts you're going after. So if you know per week which accounts you're going after, you're going to be way more successful. As a mid-market, SMB, all other reps on this podcast listening in, what you could do is just create a list of the top tier accounts that you want to go after. Put those per week. So it's a simple spreadsheet that I have. It's like week one of January, I have Google and Apple and Microsoft. Week two, you know, I got Best Buy, Amazon, and FedEx. So you see what I'm doing is I'm I'm just scheduling out what I'm going to go after. So I'm not thinking about it. You guys notice in this episode, I'm talking about things you just don't have to think. Like you're just executing. That's all I care about. I'm setting up systems to just strictly execute and get better. And then if you have just a ton of accounts in general, just 
do a numbers game, reverse engineer how many accounts you need to go after per week and then say, okay, I need to go after 10 accounts per week. So that's, let's say you're a mid-market. So that's probably four contacts. So you're going to do 40 contacts that week or 40 contacts a day if you want to be more aggressive. And then you just play them throughout the sequence, but you already have everyone on day one. So you don't have to worry about it and you're not overwhelmed. Well, too many people try to like just hit them all at the same time and then they all fall out of sequence and you're like, where do I even start again? And you're talking about cutting it up. I do something similar to your spreadsheet, but I, I live my life out of tags. So when I sequence 50 accounts, you can tag all of the accounts in Outreach and Sales Loft. And so I'll tag them AF, 10, 29, 2020, which means I'm starting the sequence on 10, 29, 2020. And so if it's November, end of November, I know if I see that account out of sequence, I know that I've already worked that account and I can try, either choose to drop it or work it again, but in a different way. Well, Morgan, we hit it all. We talked about systems, tactics, sales loft, outreach, all the different parts of sales nav. But one thing we haven't talked about is, wait, we're actually going to switch it up this time. So we are going to change the final question. Instead of talking about bad habits, which is a somewhat negative thing to talk about at the end of the episode, we should talk about some good things. And so, Morgan, the new final question is, what is one thing that every rep needs to be doing outside of their job to be more successful today? you all need to go to a floating tank once a quarter. You go inside of a cave, essentially, and you sit there for 60 minutes and you just reflect. And the reason that this is important is because no one's talking to you and nothing's happening. And it allows you to be still. And when you're in a sales role, the most important thing, as we all know, is active listening. So the more you can go in there and be still and be one with your thoughts and really own the moment, then you could own their sales cycle and ask the right questions because your active listening will increase. So I do it once a quarter and it's helped me out a ton to slow things down in real time. And it really allows you to know what's going on. It's what every athlete talks about when they say, Hey, like the game slows down. Well, when you go in those floating tanks, the whole sales call slows down. So that would, that'd be my one thing. I love it, man. This has been a blast. Is there anything you want to plug before we jump off here? So one thing I want to say is if y'all want to hang out, have some fun, Muffins of Morgan on Saturday. This is probably the most fun thing uh, that I've been doing. So 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Muffins of Morgan. Come hang out, ask me questions live, and we have fun. We play music. Come by with us. All right, everybody, go get some muffins. Go float in a tank and go listen to a 60-second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. 
every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Morgan Ingram include number one, time block asking for referrals at the end of the month. Do a couple hours every single month. The way you do it is you say, hey, these are two to three people you're connected to that are in our ICP. Do you know them? Don't just blindly ask for referrals. Number two, when you're sending a connection, a blank note has a higher accept rate than a non-blank note. And you can always go in the back end and cancel your invitation and resend it later on with a formally written note. Number three, when you get somebody who's looking at your profile, all you got to do is throw the GIF in there with your lurking GIF and say, hey, did I do something wrong? Gets a response every single time. And then number four, templates and snippets for everything you do. Your entire workflow as an SDR is a massive if this, then that statement. So if they're hiring people and that's a trigger, have a snippet for that. If somebody says, I'm not interested, have a snippet for that too. Do not repeat the same emails over and over. Nick, how could people help us out? All right, Morgan's a pretty cool dude. And every weekend he does this thing called Muffins with Morgan, where he goes live. I think he eats some muffins and he answers sales questions. So I want you to go this weekend, show Morgan some love on his live. And if you found him through 30 Minutes to President's Club, let him know that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes.